Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to another edition of the Golf Show presented by Corona Premier on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Hope you're having a wonderful Saturday morning. I'm Darren Pritchett coming to you from the state of Iowa, traveling around with the South Bend Cubs this weekend. Back in our WSBT studios, truly the stars of the show, we have John Foster, the general manager of Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, which of course is hosting the 2019 U.S. Senior Open in June. And we have Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club, which hosts the Four Winds Invitational on the Symmetra Tour and also the owner of Signal Point in Niles. Good to be back with you guys. How are you this morning? We're good. How are you, Darren? I'm doing great, Darren. Good to hear you, Joe. We missed you last week. We talked very highly of you I'm last sure you week. Did. I, I we doubt did. it. Did we? I, I well, I, I tell you how much confidence I got in that statement. I could have <laughs> listened to the show, and I didn't because I was afraid I was going to be abused. So I'll take your word for it, Darren. No, we were actually very, very kind. I'm being serious. If I talked poorly about you, yeah. I would have told you to your face. My guess but, is you guys didn't even talk about me. So that's even worse than not abusing me. Now, Tim, in every segment, I said John could not be yeah, with us. Right. He had a very important I, assignment I, last Saturday. I actually so. did, believe it or not. I told him. I said he was out working on his game, getting <laughs> ready for the senior open. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, I knew that wasn't true. <laughs> now, come on. That, that's you, missed, you missed the rundown of Darren's first round in three years, though, last week. Oh, that's week. right. I forgot you yeah. played. He played great. He, really? Like, he striped like a tour player. He said really? never missed the fairway, 280 well, or 90. He got to home on number four, uh, Blackthorn and two. Like was it a scramble? Yes, <laughs> you were playing somebody else. It was ball. okay, but no, but but John on number two, it was it was two oh, sixty, I think, to the pin. Yeah, and I hit it eight feet to the right of the pin. That's where the divot was, and the ball went over the green. Oh my so, goodness! So yeah, I I hit the ball extremely well. Now the irons, it was a little. Yeah. I'm not sure where it's going, but there was good contact. And for the first time in three years, I did not have the yips putting. So see, so just quit you playing for three years and the yips go away. I was going to recommend, why don't you give it another three years and <laughs> yeah. maybe you'll have something. You'll be ready for the senior tour. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? That's about right. That's about the right timing. But I was considering going left-handed putting. It was so bad. Well, so now wrong I'm with that. rejuvenated. But you know how it is. It's just the golf gods being nice to me. They want me to go out and play more golf, and then they're going to rip the rug out from under me. I get it. <laughs> and yeah. we talked about this last week. Did you take your clubs to Iowa? I did not, no. See? <laughs> no, I didn't. This is going to be... Well, I knew it was going to rain a lot on the trip, so I didn't feel like that was a great idea, and I yeah. didn't see any layouts that were... I'm surprised they're playing baseball. I, I saw the uh, news reports from Iowa. It looks like the whole mm. state's underwater. Yeah, the Mississippi River is definitely out of its banks around here, and it's some pretty rough conditions, wow. to say the least, in Burlington earlier in the week and Clinton this weekend. So I know going over the bridge outside of Burlington, the Mississippi River was... As far as you could see out of its banks, it's wow. really, really sad. I think this today would be the 41st consecutive day that it's been flood conditions in this area. So not a whole lot of fun, no. to say the least. 
But I know for your golf course, we turned into a weather show. No kidding. (laughs) Well, I'm just wondering, from your guys' standpoint, having a rainy April, is that good in the long run for you guys? I'm talking about in terms of the golf course. I'm not talking about revenue for rounds. I just, okay, I'll (laughs) shut up. No, I'm sorry to talk over you there, but, you know, it's okay. It's to a point, yeah, it helps to have moisture. It'd be better to have warm weather. I mean, it's. I think as much as the rain that we've had, it's the cold that's kept people away. Because even on completely dry days, it's been in the low 40s, and that's just not going to get people out there. So uh, last year was really wet, but at least it was warm. This year we got cold and wet, and it's just a bad combination for us, buddy. So, But uh, to your point, the, the course is really green right now, and the grass is really growing. They finally got the ground temps up. So so good. there is some good that comes out of it, but enough's enough, okay? Hmm. Okay. Okay. I will never ask again. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we we ask- can control the moisture. We just right. turn the irrigation That's system right. on and water more. That's exactly right. If we could figure out how to make it rain overnight, that'd yes. be great for the golf business. I agree, buddy. Would We're not gonna- be bad at all. We're going to build a dome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. And then you could control the wind. It would be like, like the Truman Show. Yeah. You, know, you could control the wind and the rain, and if somebody had a chance to break your course record, you could just flip the switch <laughs> and turn the wind on, and you'd still have the course record. Simple as that. Yeah. All right, so I know last week Tim and I had a conversation about what we always kind of start the year with, John, and that is the state of golf in South Bend, and – it was like he was the president. He put forth a great 10-minute documentary on where we are <laughs> in the state of golf. No, he did. It was very well, then why thorough. Why should I have to say anything? In you depth. heard it from the man, you know? Well, but I said the world. This, I, I said I'm going to give the optimistic view, and then Foster's on next week. And <laughs> I'm going to give the real <laughs> view. <laughs> but anyway, after that buildup. Yeah. No, I just wanted to get some general thoughts. You sure. don't have to, to go through war and peace to pass along some information, yep. but we always talk about the state of golf in South Bend. We talked about it from a Blackthorn signal point right. perspective, and just want to get your thoughts. I know you have a ton going on right now with just the golf course itself. you got the U.S. Senior Open coming up, so you've got a lot of irons in the mm-hmm. fire right now. So let's just kind of get your perspective. And, and I said this to Tim last week when setting this up. I mean, it's been funny through the 10 years how differently – this conversation has been we had the economic issue many moons ago yeah. and boy that really changed the complexion of the golf business we've went through a lot of technology with equipment and pricing and availability so i'm just kind of wondering where you think we are Are we in a pretty good spot right now compared to where we've been over the last 10 years i i think so i mean if i can climb up on my soapbox here you may for a minute i i've often felt that the mistake that the golf industry has made over the past 15 years is is not so much yeah let's grow the game let's get new people playing but i don't think the industry does a very good job of retaining people who do play golf hmm. um everything's focused towards you know let, let's bring people into the game let's make make the game easier and i'm not so sure it's something that's at the national or even regional level i think golf operators <clears throat> themselves <clears throat> pardon me have that responsibility, and it, it has to do with you know, your, your fees, obviously, the product you're presenting, um, and, and overall the way you treat people at your golf course. And I think we turn more people off to golf than and, – and now I'll give you an example. 
the worst thing that Tim can do or I can do is tell our superintendents, I want this golf course so hard that I don't want anybody breaking 80 on a day-to-day basis. Well, I've gone to local places, and you'd think that's what the the orders have been, and people are not going to come out time after time, lose a dozen balls, Agreed. shoot 100, and say, I can't wait to get back and do that. So, you know, it's addressing at the local and at the at the golf course level all of the things that you think are keeping people from playing more golf. Now, I think the weather is a perfect example. Um, people, in my opinion, have so many rounds in them every year. And if they lose 10 of those rounds in the spring, they're not going to play an extra 10 later on in the year. And I think that we've struggled locally. We can't get a real good fix on what the health of the industry is in terms of the number of rounds we do annually when we do comparisons. The last three years have been horrible. Uh, up until May 15th or so. <clears throat> and so I, all I can do is anecdotally judge it by demand. And I think the demand to play golf in the South Bend area is higher than it has been in 15, 20 years. And mm. I think a lot of that has to do with <clears throat> excuse me, the properties. Uh, Tim's got Signal Point now, which was you know exclusively a private club before. People have the opportunity to play that golf course, which is different. And I think there are a lot of high-end public courses available in this area that are not available in other areas of the country. So, again, if we get the weather straightened up and get the operators of golf to focus on guest experience, player experience, I think we'd see a lot more people playing golf. So, That's interesting because let me follow up with both of you. You both have, and I think I'm labeling your courses correctly, championship golf courses. Mm-hmm. So – to me, that means there is a a golf course in your possession that can be set up to hold up well against the best of competition. But at the same time, to build on what you were just talking about, John, mm-hmm. you also want the person who comes out once a month, once a week, two times a week, whatever the case <laughs> may be, to have an enjoyable setting. Yeah. Let me just use an analogy from my standpoint. I was a pretty decent bowler. Back in the day, I think my high average ended up being around 197. And sometimes you would go to these tournaments where the setup was so difficult that it was basically for players on the PBA Tour. It wasn't a whole lot of fun. Now, just because you can't score well doesn't make it fun. I'm not saying that. But it was so difficult that, you know, 197 average is well above the norm. And I had no shot to have any type of good score in those conditions. So that's what I'm kind to get at. Even the great golfers, they don't want to be absolutely overwhelmed with the golf course. So every year when you guys figure out what you want to do with your golf course, how much do you factor in you've got to set this up for the two handicapper and the 45 handicapper? Is that a discussion you ever have? Absolutely. You can do both. If You know, a, a number of years ago when I'm seven or eight, I installed seven, I think, new tees that actually shortened the course because the probably 15 years ago, I put in eight tees that lengthened the course. We need to get over 7,000 yards to host what we wanted to host. Yet okay. we also later, we, we identified um, three reasons that people didn't play golf at our place. And the first one was there was a misconception mm-hmm. that it was a hundred dollars a round and it really wasn't. So we, we've overcome that through advertising and, you know, letting people know that it is affordable. The second is I have to be affiliated with Notre Dame to play the course. Well, we've done our best to dispel that as well. 
But the mo- the single most negative reason, I guess you, you could say, the golf course is just too hard. And so we introduced a fourth set of tees that was between the up tees, which we don't go gender specific, but our red tees and what our blue tees were, which were regular men's. Now we have a white tee in between there. Mm-hmm. And we've also identified the landing zones for the average player and widen the fairways and lower the height of the rough in those areas there, as opposed to you go a little bit farther down the road than that where the pros and the college kids are going to be hitting it. And it's a totally different landing area and a totally different experience hmm. if you're in the rough. Interesting. Yeah, And, and so the, I would say this. The one thing Tim and I can't control and we can do our best to influence it is what tees people play. And people invariably, 9 out of 10, are at the wrong tee. And that and they they aren't playing shorter than they should be. They're playing longer, and that just adds to the fact that the course is too hard for them. So if you play the proper tees, I think either one. I think the cool thing about Blackthorn's always been, it's such a wide golf course off the tee, and you can you know guys that aren't that good can hit fairways. Now the problem comes when you you know try to get into the greens, the green complexes, and stuff. But everybody can drive the ball and feel like they're doing well out there. And your rough never really been that penal, has it, Tim? No, never. Mm-mm. No, and that just doesn't go to what you are. Now, our roughs, we keep it two and a quarter, our primary rough. That's going to three and a half during the championship, but we're going to cut it shortly thereafter. I mean, I don't want people to have to experience that. So I think if you're play, paying attention and really care about player experience, Darren, there's a number of things we can do to increase play by making it more enjoyable to play. Well, at Blackthorn, for example, John will remember this, John was one of our first members in 1994, yep. 25 years ago when you were a young stallion. <laughs> and he could <laughs> actually break 80. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You're kidding. I couldn't break 80. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've eliminated probably 20 bunkers since the original oh, design no of Blackthorn. That is true. And the Heather, we've cut way back from where it is. So mm-hmm. to John's point, you know, I mean, look, if we have the Big East Championships or the right. Senior Series or whatever events we used to have back in the day, you can make the golf course sure can. really hard. But every day we're trying to make it actually easier with the whole locations. That's the other thing as oh, well. Lord, yes. So <laughs> it was great. I was at dinner with some members the other night and they said, who is setting your pins? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, you know, I'm a little busy these days, so I don't have the, sure. you know. They go, this guy... Obviously, he doesn't golf. They said on number seven, which yeah. if the listeners can remember the screen, very undulated. He mm-hmm. said they had it, he had it on the down slope <laughs> into the bowl for seven. So I had to have a little talk oh, with our superintendent about goodness. who is setting the pins and where we're putting them. But, I mean, oh, whole gosh. location, I think, yeah, especially yeah. Is, is, is as important as, you know, the rough height or anything else is if people are four putting and five putting, you know, that can be as, as as hard as it is with hitting out a three-inch rough. John, we talked about this last week, but in the event I played in at Blackthorn, it was one of those big cup tournaments Yeah, where the cup was much bigger than normal. On number seven, they had it, as you're looking from the fairway, on the right-hand side, and the hole was almost on an incline. <laughs> and so it was literally, I mean, you had to just, like, drop it in the bucket from the top side. So I know that's a little different. You want it more challenging when the hole is bigger. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was that was our first hole. I'm like, wow, this is going to be a long day if what? this is going to be the pin placement. But actually, it was very fair the rest of the day. It was a lot of fun. Well, it was a very that, interesting yeah, way. Yeah, it I, I really doesn't matter. I guess it does make it more challenging. But uh, there's a cascade effect, too, from a hole location standpoint. 
is that if it's too difficult on a given day, and it, there's a series of ones, people don't enjoy that. The effect of that is it slows down play, so you got a pace of play issue that comes into effect because of where the holes are placed, and so people don't enjoy that. So it's a cascade effect, so you got to be very careful and identify the elements on the course that are controllable that determine whether people are going to have a good time or not. And I haven't had anybody in the 18 years I've been there come in the office and say, you know what, John, this course is too easy. You've got to make yeah. it harder. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you there have been hundreds of people that come in and say the golf course is too hard, and we've done what we can to address it. I mean, at one point, you, you can't make it easy for everybody because some people just are never going to play well. Right. Correct. And those are the ones that usually are they playing sh- the wrong tees. Right. Too, they should the be playing the forward tees and right. automatic two putts. Yep. Well, like the 10th at Warren, you can go for it over the water or you can play out to the right. There's a safe place to right. hit the golf ball. See, that's important, I think, to the average show. Nobody likes to lose a golf ball, and we all know that's a very difficult shot. So there is a place for you to hit the ball out to the right to give yourself a better chance to succeed on the next shot. Little things like that make yeah, a difference. Yeah, but your everyday golfer isn't thinking about that stuff, right? You don't think so? No. I think they're thinking, Yeah, yeah. I got to get it over the water. I'm going to, you know, tin right. cup. You know, Strategy they, they, is not one of those <laughs> Right. There's suit. no strategy. If there well, was, true. you know, I think that they'd be hitting irons off of certain tees yeah. instead of pumping three balls out of bounds <laughs> with the driver. You know. This is, and you're going to say I'm, you know, name dropping again. However, <laughs> I love it. Okay, but I it goes it. to it goes to this point. So Paul Broadhurst was out this week for two days, and he mm-hmm. played, and it was in the 40s, and it was raining, and he came in, and we talked for a long time afterwards. And I asked, "What did you see?" And he said, "I was identifying lines off of the tee and lines into the greens, identifying places where you don't want to hit it, not mm-hmm. necessarily where you do want to hit it." He said, "Because it's so soft because of the rain, I'm not." playing the real golf course right now as far as the length um and he admitted he said you know my ball's stopping at 235 because normally i hit it 235 and it rolls another 30 yards so but identifying lines and what it was fascinating greg helmkamp one of the pros and myself sat with him for a long time and all he talked about was how to play the golf course we and i'm including myself when i'm on a golf course and worried about what this swing's going to do how I'm going to hit the ball, you know, what I don't want to – I mean, it's anything but course strategy, and I wish I could get to the place, and I think I was there at one point, where you don't worry about your swing. You, mm. you don't play golf swings. You play you're the playing, golf You're course. playing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I yeah. think this goes all the way back to the point, Darren, where you mentioned on number 10. I think the 20 handicap is just trying to get it on dry land on that hole. Mm-hmm. So sure. I, I don't know. It's just a totally different mindset the professionals have than the average players have, and it's nobody's fault. I'm caught up in the same thing. But I think if we think about less about the process and more about the result, I, we'd all be better off, and it's easier said than done. Well, we talk about that. Like, people come to get lessons. What do we do? Yeah. We work on their technique it, it, and their golf. Right. We don't teach them how to play golf. Big difference. It, it is a huge difference. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I have used the advice you guys gave me years ago on this program. Take three and years it's off. very simple advice, <laughs> and that is – don't aim at the pin. Yeah. Aim at the middle because, you know what? If I was good enough to hit it at the pin all the time, <laughs> I'd be on the tour. So hit it in the middle, and if you miss one way or the other, in all likelihood, unless it's just a bad miss, you're probably going to yeah. be on the green or right next to the green. And that's the best advice anyone can take because it does make a huge difference. And if you aim toward the middle, maybe you push it perfectly right to the pin. Other times you might yank it, but... 
to me, I think that's made a big difference. You don't short side yourself nearly as much because that's the biggest problem. We throw away strokes where the pin, for example, is on the right, maybe 10 feet from the edge, and you hit it way to the right. Well, then you short side yourself. What are the odds of one of us, average golfers, getting up and down from that type of situation? You need a Phil Mickelson lob shot or the touch of Tiger. It's not going to happen. You're going to end up bogeying or double bogeying the hole, hitting it toward the middle is a great way to play around a golf. I agree. How about that? How about Isn't that, that something? And, Tim, I'll tell you this. I, I really appreciate the tease from John Foster because we're going to hear from Paul Broadhurst say all those things coming up in the oh, next really? segment. <laughs> I did not know that. He's know. everywhere. He's ubiquitous. He is. He had a great He's accent. A really nice guy, me? too. He sure seemed like it. Yeah, a really good guy. Two-time senior major champion, won – what the 2018 Senior PGA Championship has a mm-hmm. handful of European Tour victories on his resume. So he's going to be... Did he ever win in um, PGA Tour? Yeah. No. Well, no, he played the European Tour, but okay. he's a Ryder Cupper, and he won the 2016 Senior Open, the, the oh, British wow. Open. But he was a good Ryder Cup player, I believe, and played almost exclusively on their tour over there. Hmm. Yeah. Compared to our players, everybody are really good Ryder Cup players. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All you have to do is show up and you get a point against the United States show anymore. Show up and wear blue. You're going to win. Yeah, that's exactly right. Isn't that the truth? Well, that was an interesting conversation. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by what you talked about there. And, and let me just add in one more thing. And, again, you guys are in the golf business. You know a heck of a lot more than me. But I think also a factor today is our lives have changed so much. We are so busy, limited time. It's almost sometimes you only want to go play nine holes yeah. because mm-hmm. just of the time factor. It's just so difficult with family, your job. Many companies have short-staffed, and you have to do more work today. Yeah. Just The things just kind of add up, guys, and it just gets more difficult to get outside and get out on the golf course. We're, we're more nine-hole friendly than we were mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago. I, mean, I was wondering to, that. We used to discourage people. Now, we still... Uh, you know, on a weekend or a busy time, won't take tee times for nine holes at, mm-hmm. until like two o'clock or so. We don't want to supplant an eighteen-hole round with a nine-hole round. Correct. But if it's on a Wednesday morning, yeah, we don't care. And the students a lot of times come over after class, only want to play nine. So I would guess, and this is a guess, I could look it up. We're probably doing five to six times the amount of nine-hole rounds than we did even five or six years ago. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So very good. Once again, you have to adapt to what the consumer wants, not what you want. So, okay, let me get to one more subject in this segment. I know we're running a little long. What's new? All right, <laughs> so John, I want to mention the Notre Dame golf team. Miguel Delgado qualified for NCAA regionals. He's, he's going to play at the University of Louisville Golf Club in Simpsonville, Kentucky. It's the first time in five years a Notre Dame player has advanced to regionals. And his head coach, John Handrigan, said, quote, Miguel played some exceptional golf this year to earn this selection and compete for a national championship. He will represent our program with class, and I've been very fortunate to be his coach, end quote. And Delgado, the California native, has averaged 40, or I'm sorry, 71.4 strokes per round, which ranks as the second lowest in program history. He has produced four top 10 finishes including a runner-up showing at the Tar Heel Intercollegiate so what's your takeaway from Miguel Delgado making the NCAA tournament the first thing about Miguel is he's a great kid and the first time I met him he all he talked about and wanted to know was is there any way he could utilize some of the golf course assets for 
the Boys and Girls Club because hmm. he was he did a lot of that in California, and coming to Notre Dame, he wanted to do the same thing, and it's just gotten better. I mean, I just love the guy. He's and talk about a, a just a bulldog. If you see his golf swing, um, it's like what's the Thornberry? Is that the kid from uh, Georgia that's got the real funky swing but kicks everybody's butt? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not quite that, but he he hits the ball a long way. He's precise with his irons. He's got the whole game, and I think Miguel is got the mindset too. Nothing bugs him. Uh, so many of the college players are really fragile upstairs. That you know, Miguel could take a seven on a par three and come back and birdie three holes in a row. He doesn't he doesn't go in the tank, and that's been a problem I think we've had from a, a program standpoint. We had, the, the mindset of our players isn't always in the right place, and John Handrigan knows how to get him there, and he's done a really good job. So I think as much as John's enjoyed coaching Miguel, Miguel has enjoyed playing for John the last couple of years, and it, it sure shows. So I wish him all the luck in the world, and I think we may hear more from, from Miguel because he's gotten better every year he's been at the, at the university. This program taking steps forward in John's two years, were they close at all to being a regional team? Yeah, quite honestly, and John will tell you this, the last round of the ACC championship, they threw up all over themselves or they'd be in the regionals. One, oh, no nine kidding. holes of golf cost them a, a chance to play in the regionals this year. Yeah. Well, they're going in the right direction. They, they are. That's no, the they, good news. They contended. I mean, they were leading the ACC for a number of uh, uh, for a number of holes starting off, and then after the second round, I think they were in fifth place, and they had 12 ranked teams. In the, 12 of the top 30 teams in the country in the ACC. Oh, my God. So our wow. kids were going toe-to-toe with them until the last day, and I think they realized what they were doing, and they probably looked at the rankings and said, <laughs> we're in the wrong spot here. <laughs> so that's that's John's issue. I mean, that's a coaching issue, and he'll. I've got confidence he'll get that righted. Okay, very good. John Foster, Tim Firestone, Darren Pritchett, the premier Corona, or Corona premier, I should say, golf show here on WSBT Radio. When we come back, you will hear from Paul Broadhurst, had a chance to play Warren Golf Course. His thoughts on the U.S. Senior Open venue is coming up in just a moment as the Corona premier golf show continues on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Welcome back to the Corona Premier Golf Show on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. I'm Darren Pritchett with John Foster and Tim Firestone. The U.S. Senior Open Golf Championship coming to Notre Dame. Round number one is June 27th, the final round on June 30th. We are just eight weeks away from a major championship being held at the University of Notre Dame. So a lot of the senior players are going to be rolling into town over the next few weeks to take a look at this golf course. And a two-time senior major winner, Paul Broadhurst, was at Warren earlier this week. And thanks to our friends at WSBT 22, Adam Derangowski, Pete Byrne, they combined to put together a nice little feature as Paul Broadhurst wrapped up around at Warren. And here's what he had to say about this national championship venue. We are now eight weeks away from the U.S. Senior Open at Notre Dame. And one of the big names in the field, Paul Broadhurst, made a stop in South Bend to check out the course. WSBT 22 Sports Director Pete Byrne caught up with Broadhurst and got his thoughts on the upcoming championship. It's not exactly an ideal day to be out on the golf course. But that didn't stop Paul Broadhurst from showing up today at the Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame to get a little work in in advance of the upcoming U.S. Senior Open. The two-time senior major winner played a practice round out here today in the rain. And when he wrapped up, I chatted with him about the golf course, what he learned by playing it today, 
and the type of test he thinks this golf course will provide when it hosts the 40th U.S. Senior Open in June. I mean, it's playing a long, really long on the daylight today. You know, I'm, my, my best drive is going about 245 at the moment, so... You know, if it was if it was played today, I think 75, 76 would be a pretty good score out there. But uh, we're not scoring today. We're just having our first look at the course and uh, you know, just getting used to the feel of it and the look of it, really, from different tee shots. And uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a miserable day, but uh, you know, the work starts today. What do you hope to learn today while you play this golf course? Uh, probably just some of the different lines off tees. Hey, the best place to miss a green if you're going to miss it. You know, you don't want to be missing wrong side of greens and stuff. So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not going to learn too much about how the course is playing distance-wise because it's it's playing wet and it's it's really long. But, um, yeah, just feeling comfortable on certain tee shots and, and getting correct lines. You told me a few minutes ago this, this kind of reminded you of an English course. Why is that? Um, just the, the trees around it, a little bit more enclosed than some of the courses we play on the Champions Tour. Uh, the grass... You, know, you take a divot here and the, the actual divot stays together, it doesn't disintegrate, you know, so uh, chipping for me will be a, a little bit easier off this sort of turf than, than I'm used to playing on the Champions Tour, so yeah, it's, you know, it has definitely got an English feel about it. When you look around, what sort of test come June do you think this provides for a major? It would be a really good test, you know, US Opens are always tough, you know, the guys know fully uh, what to expect. Uh, but the greens are, are quite small around here, quite undulating, even, you know, putting fairly slowly today. They've got some pretty subtle borrows on them. They can put pins on the top of hills and, uh, and make it really tricky. So, you know, you've got to drive it well, but also your irons have got to be really accurate and you're going to have to hit it into the, the proper parts of the greens to, to have a birdie chance. Uh, bunkers are quite deep. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it'll be a real stiff challenge. What will you be able to do with the knowledge that you get today? And, uh, how, how much farther ahead will you be when you get here in six weeks because of that? Uh, well, hopefully, you know, a couple of rounds, get used to the, you know, they're used to the course. Uh, we'll be a couple of rounds ahead of most of the guys. Um, you pass on the information to my caddy as well. He's, he's not here with me these two days. He's down in Houston caddying for Jesper Parnovic this week. But uh, we'll catch up next week and discuss a few things. Um, but you know, you just you hope that you come out and you prepare properly, and uh, you know you reap the benefit come the tournament week. Our thanks to WSBT twenty two for use of that audio. Paul Broadhurst will be at Warren for the U.S. Senior Open. You mentioned John that you talked to Paul for a good amount of time while he was at Warren. If you don't mind me asking, what type of questions do golfers normally ask when they grab you and, and start a conversation? You know what struck me that he didn't <clears throat> excuse me that he didn't ask was what the setup of the course was going to be come championship week. Um I, I I'm probably not privy to all the information. I'm not so sure. I, it, and it, honestly it's something I want to ask the USGA should I share what the plans are. I mean, I know what they're wanting to stamp the greens at. I know what our height mm-hmm. of our fairway and our, our uh, roughs are going to be. He didn't ask that. Um, I, so I'll find out if that is ask. Um, it just <clears throat> really not a lot. I mean, I was shocked, that, and, and yet I understand it. He wasn't asking my perspective on how to play holes because he knows <laughs> he's going to be playing that hole a lot differently than I. If if I really knew what I was doing, I wouldn't be working there. I'd be, you know, in his shoes. So 
there really wasn't much. And, and quite honestly, after we talked about the course a little bit, it was talking about his family. He's got two – or his son is graduating this weekend from a D2 school in Tennessee, and that's why he was in South Bend. He, he played in the Ozark uh, Deal Champions Tour in the Ozarks mm-hmm. last week, uh, came up to see us. His wife and 14-year-old son were at the event last weekend. She flew the 14-year-old back to England, hopped on another flight, wow. and was flying back, arriving in South Bend uh, on, I think it was Thursday. And then they're leaving to drive to Tennessee for the graduation ceremony. Um, that type of thing. And he's talking about his son. He said he's uh, in the D2 rankings. He's eighth, I think, eighth in the country. And he said he's trying to decide now whether – you know, he should pursue a career in golf or something else. And he said mm-hmm. that the kid's really talented. He said he, he's got a lot of work to do with the putter, is all he said. <laughs> and I think you get a situation like this where his father's in the business, his father can gain access, uh, and he can gain access with his name. And I'm sure from a financial standpoint, they can afford to try it for three or four years and see if they're going to do it. Whereas a lot of players. You know, they just don't have the resources. I think there's a lot of good players who possibly could have made it who weren't able to because of the financial restraints. But but anyway, a really nice guy. He, he spoke with my superintendent um, a bit, too, just to tell him how good the place was. And, again, not really probing or asking any questions, though. Hmm. And just a wild estimation. Do you know how many guys have come through for practice rounds so far that will be in the tournament? It's not a lot. Uh, it's four or five. Now, some of them played in a qualifier there a couple of years ago. Uh, Billy Andrade's coming in early June. He called this week about, um, you know, accommodations and things like that. But these guys are so busy. This is a really busy time for them, uh, Darren. And I think they've got there's only one weekend off between now and the uh, championship, so we may not see a lot of them. I mean, some of them will find their way here, but it's not like they got a lot of spare time on their hands. Did you see who won the senior tournament last weekend? Scott Hoke. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my. I had, mean, I didn't even know he was still on the well, planet, him, let alone playing him golf. And Tom Pernice. And off air, I can just tell you some stories that. that <laughs> About a, Scott Oak? It, both. Oh. They, they were well paired. <laughs> Uh-oh. The um, least favorite yeah. uh, uh, team so, to win. Yeah. yeah. But I did I did see that. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So. Two-foot putt, Augusta National. That's all I can think they of. They showed the replay of that this year. <laughs> it's hard. I, I mean, it's hard to – I mean, it didn't even hit the hole. <laughs> no. I know. Oh. And Faldo, to his credit, just was yeah. like a statue, did right. not react. Yeah. He had him thinking, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is going to be the greatest gift oh, of my. all time. Okay, very good. U.S. Senior Open coming up in June, and it's 2019USSeniorOpen.com for all the information, including tickets, correct? Yeah, it, Yes, that is true. And also, I wanted to tell you guys, Steve Stricker signed up this week. So oh, he was, oh he awesome. He was the one we were really hoping for. He's a contender. He's my yeah. favorite. I think the golf course fits him. Oh, I do, too. Perfect. Really well. I yeah. really do, too. So Perfect. I think it'll do well there. But. Um, yeah, we, we got to make sure we have a pool going for this. You know, we can oh, have our on-air version and then the off-air version. Ooh, a little no, zest think, for living. Well, us. Now, as a member of oh, the yeah, athletic right. department at the University of Notre Recreational Dame, recreational. I am not picks allowed only. to gamble. Uh, I will just. I won't participate for money. I'll just do it for the heck of it. How's that? Sounds as far good. as they know. Yeah, that sounds great, John. Really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got to get to break. We'll come back with more of the Corona Premier Golf Show on WSBT Radio next.
Along with John Foster and Tim Firestone, I'm Darren Pritchett. This is the Corona Premier Golf Show on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. PGA Tour last week, the Zurich Classic in New Orleans, a team competition. And John Rahm and Ryan Palmer were the winners. Three shots over an interesting duo of Sergio Garcia and Tommy Fleetwood. This kind of escaped me. That is Palmer's first win on the PGA Tour in nine years. Didn't he used to wear the tie? Was that him? No. No. That was um, thinking of somebody else. Ryan. Ryan uh, um, really weird swing from Vegas. Good player. Yeah. Gosh. But anyway, so another not wrong Ryan. Okay. Yeah. John Rahm with his third PGA Tour win in three years. Should this count as an actual win? Because they both get into the Tournament of yeah. Champions in Hawaii now. It, it does count. And a lot, a lot it's of people interesting. Are, it's kind of controversial. Yeah, yeah, it's like the senior tournament last yeah, week, too. Right. They did the team event and with Tom Brady. three. Yeah. To top it all. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I watched a lot of this, believe it or not. I don't did know if you, you guys watched. Yeah, and I don't I know didn't. why. I think it's a team. It was, it was interesting, yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, it's a tournament of PGA Tour players you've never heard of. It's true. The leader, I was like, who is this guy? What about Kepka, his younger brother? Yeah, I saw that, him. yeah. And it was funny, the announcers were like, well, this guy could really use a win. <laughs> well, this guy could really use a win. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, every player that's never won in this tournament. And John Rahm was like stealing candy from a kid because yeah. he clearly yeah. was the best player in the field, and they won. So That's true. Okay, I've got a wild idea for you. Because there are so many insignificant golf tournaments on the PGA Tour, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think this was one of them, and that's why they switched <laughs> right. to this format. Right. Okay, so let's take a tournament that doesn't get a lot of exposure. And I think the problem is going to be getting the main guys there, but just bear with me. But why not do a four-team tournament, or four-player tournament, I should say, and you do like the All-Star games do. You have team captains, you have 39 team captains, and you draw, or not you draw, or you pick the people you want in your group. So you just have a snake format. And you put together the team you want, and you go out and play, and the best score of that four is the score, and you go from there. Or you do total score. I don't know how you do it. I don't disagree. That would be interesting. I just can't see the prima donnas participating in that. Right. If you, it would have to be something where they have a really big incentive to play in it, but you'd have Phil Mickelson as a captain, Tiger as a captain, well, okay. and they would have to draft their team. I think that would be a lot of fun, but, again, getting the guys there would be difficult. Well, there's got to be a criteria on who the four captains are. So if you arbitrarily – pick Phil Mickelson, somebody else is going to say, wait a minute, I've got a bet. I made twice the amount of money he did this year. I've got a higher Yeah, hope he ranking. doesn't pick me. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. being devil's advocate here, Darren, but I think you're dealing with gigantic egos here that mm-hmm. I love the, for, the, the concept, but from a practical standpoint, I don't know. That's, World golf rankings wouldn't work? Um, mm, maybe. maybe. It, that might work. Mm-hmm. But then what about the guy who thinks he should be the first pick and he ends up being the fourth pick? He's embarrassed, and I can see him saying, I'm not going to that thing. <laughs> Bubba Watson out of this, would you? Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm yeah, no one, nobody picks Bubba. It, it would be really, <laughs> the best part of it. The most interesting part would be the process of putting the teams together. That's what I mean. Don't even yeah. televise the event. Right. It's, just, it's the uh, draft room. Exactly. I don't there want that go. guy. <laughs> we'll tell you what's coming up at Warren and Blackthorne next as the Corona Premier Golf Show continues on WSBT. Corona Premier Golf Show on WSBT Radio. Let's find out what's coming up at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Here's General Manager John Foster. Well, come out to the tent city because everything's being built right now. There's a lot of activity. It really makes it cool when you're out there playing and you got all this stuff going on. So 
give us a, give us a try, 574-631-GOLF or warrengolfcourse.com. Tim Firestone has about 20 properties, so I'll just let you go whatever direction you want to go. They're all open, and they're all, we'd love to see you in any one of them. And get your Blackthorn card still available, and you can uh, have discounted rates at all of our facilities, 232-4653 or blackthornoperatinggroup.com. Guys, enjoyed it as always. Have a great weekend, and we will speak again next week. Thank you, Thanks, Darren. Darren. All right, very good. Thanks to everybody who's made this show possible. John, Tim, I'm Darren. Have a great weekend. It is the top of the hour at WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.